but I believe in working hard and, and I expect the best out of myself and the best out of everybody else. CCR 67, July 1st, 2009. This edition of Cat Crave Radio was brought to you by FantasyCPR.com. Fantasy football will kick off soon. Prepare yourself to dominate your league at FantasyCPR.com. Welcome to Cat Crave Radio. There it is! There it is! A show by the fans and for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. You don't think I want to best? Check your reference. Coming up in this episode, our rivals join us for some smack talk. This one could get interesting as we find out who had the guts to join us. Now, buckle your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Wouldn't you just know it? Last week, just as our last episode was being posted, the news broke. Julius Peppers had signed his franchise tender. Carl Carey, Peppers' agent, said, quote, Julius is more than satisfied with the outcome and is prepared and ready to play football. End quote. Peppers will be perhaps the highest paid player in the league with a contract that could pay him up to $19.183 million this season. He has a guaranteed $16.683 million base salary, the amount of his offer sheet as a franchise-free agent, plus an incentive of $1.5 million if he makes the Pro Bowl, and a quarter mil per each playoff win up to and including the Super Bowl. The incentives carry over from Pepper's contract from last season. Finally, Pepper's released a statement saying, quote, I have signed the franchise tender and am now under a one-year contract with the Carolina Panthers. Recently, I've had positive and productive discussions with the organization. I am optimistic and focused as I look forward to the upcoming NFL season. End quote. Now, with a statement like that, Peppers opens up the possibility of negotiating a long-term deal with the team. His agent said Julius has always had tremendous respect for the individuals in the organization, and he had the opportunity to sit down face-to-face and talk with people he's had great respect for. Sometimes it takes a discussion to begin to understand each other's perspectives. Jake DeLome said that he wasn't surprised that Julius signed and that he and his teammates will be elated to have the newly minted highest-paid defensive player in the league present and accounted for on the first day of training camp next month. John Beeson wrote on his blog, quote, We're glad to have JP back, and I think he's happy too. In some ways, that's the way I expected the procedure to unfold, end quote. Believe it or not, there was other news. The team has announced the signing of three of their draft picks. First up was 7th rounder Captain Munnerlin, a defensive back out of South Carolina. Then came news that the Panthers had signed their 4th round picks. Fullback Tony Fiametta has signed a 4-year deal with the team, according to his agent. Fiametta, who played at Syracuse, was considered to be perhaps the best fullback prospect in this draft. Also, the Panthers announced the signing of Mike Goodson, a running back kick returner from Texas A&M. The Panthers are high on Goodson's game-breaking potential as a situational running back, a receiver, and even a possible kick returner. Finally, a former Panther made news this week. Free agent long snapper Jason Kyle, who figured to be a casualty of the Panthers' tight salary cap situation this offseason, has signed with the New Orleans Saints. 
The reliable Kyle didn't miss a game in his eight seasons with the Panthers and has also been the team's player representative. He played in 128 games for the Panthers' seventh most in team history. He said that he talked to Marty Herney, who told him that the team wanted to keep him, but that they were unable to do anything. The Panthers' tight salary cap situation prevented them from bringing Kyle back. The Panthers will likely replace Kyle with J.J. Jansen, whom the Panthers acquired from the Green Bay Packers earlier this year. Jansen, in his second season out of Notre Dame, didn't play last year for the Packers because of a knee injury. He had previously been picked up by Green Bay as an undrafted free agent. Coming up in just a bit, we'll put on the smack talk with our rivals, or at least the ones with the guts to join us. When you're, when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. I'm John White. It's time for another rant or rave. Technology is a wonderful thing, isn't it? The internet is a wonderful thing, too. I mean, on occasion, new toys come along that allow us the opportunity to entertain ourselves for hours on end. MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, and all the social networking sites have brought many of us a chance to connect with old friends or even make new friends. Networking has become easier. But now what happens when social networking begins to interfere with job performance? What happens when it goes too far? The latest craze, Twitter, has put us all in a position to learn more about NFL players than ever before. We had already seen the rise of personal blogs written by our Sunday heroes, but Twitter allows them the chance to throw around thoughts at a moment's notice 140 characters at a time. One player, Chad Johnson Ocho Cinco Cinco de Mayo, or whatever he wants to be called, has taken it to the extreme. His account on Twitter has been up and running since May, and in that amount of time he has posted 2,800 tweets on the site. Those messages aren't always nice either. Now consider that he recently called out Sean Merriman, who quickly responded to the enigmatic wide receiver. Johnson Ocho Cinco Cinco de Mayo also took to the site to write about the recent deaths of Farrah Fawcett and Michael Jackson. He said, and I'm quoting, Okay, first Mrs. Fawcett, now Mr. Jackson. Please tell me this is a mistaken rumor. If not, this is just as sad as 9-11. End quote. While I admit that June 25th was a sad day with the passing of two of our idols, I can hardly imagine it being as sad as 9-11. Now, comparing a terrorist attack responsible for the deaths of 3,000 innocent people to the events of June 25th isn't just misguided, it's stupid. Thinking better of having made the statement, Johnson Ocho Cinco Cinco de Mayo tried to cover his tracks a few minutes later. He said that his statement may have been a bit over the top and that he was in an emotional state at the time. Okay, maybe so. But here's where the problems begin. What happens when a player is upset at a coach this summer during training camp, and then before cooling off and before cooler heads can take over, he goes back to his laptop that's located in his dorm room and begins lambasting them. It may only be 140 characters, but that could be plenty to begin a hailstorm of problems, not just for the player, but the coach and the team. Even the most beloved coach or the most popular player could find themselves in seriously hot water. Twitter provides them with just enough rope with which to hang themselves. Oh, the media and the blogosphere, they love this kind of activity, and with the lack of news in the offseason, you know they can hardly contain themselves at the thought of mining the next gem of a tweet from the site. But will they be fooled? 
Miami Dolphins receiver Devon Best says he's the victim of a fraudulent account on the site. It was pointed out, and the authorities are jumping in, so when some jackass opens up a Twitter account posing as Jake DeLome or Julius Peppers and posts something that incites a maelstrom, what happens next? Will the Fuhrer die down? Will the fans believe the player or the fraud? The technology that exists on the internet is a wonder. We all use it, obviously, or no one would be listening to this show. But how far are we willing to let this go? And how much access do we need to our favorite players? Do we really need them updating us every 10 minutes of their lives? Do we need to know that they're off to buy groceries with their wives? Can there be anything gained in learning that their baby's diaper needs to be changed again? The problem isn't that the site exists. It's not that players update their fans either. I mean, that's all well and good, but when it goes as far as Johnson, Ocho, Cinco, Cinco de Mayo takes it, then it's not so good anymore. Taken in moderation, Twitter could be a great little tool for players and fans, but you know as well as I do that there are far too many players out there who know little about moderation, and it's only a matter of time before one or more of them creates such a controversy that it will ruin it for everyone. You know, maybe this technology thing isn't all it's cracked up to be. I'm John White. And that is this week's Rant or Rave. We're not internationally known, but we're still here. Cat Crave Radio returns after this. Cat Crave Radio proudly looks at players who have shaped the history of the Carolina Panthers in Panther Profiles. The 2006 NFL Draft saw five running backs selected in the first round. Big names like Reggie Bush, Lawrence Maroney, and Lindell White came off the board. Then, with the 27th pick, the Panthers selected D'Angelo Williams. Williams' draft stock seemed to slip a bit, as some scouts believe that he may be too small for the NFL. He's proven them and 26 NFL teams wrong. D'Will would be a backup in Carolina his first two years in the league behind Deshaun Foster. However, each time he got on the field, he proved he would succeed at the highest level of the game. Filling in versus the Rams, Williams posted 114 yards on 20 carries. Later in his rookie season, he tallied over 170 all-purpose yards on Monday night against the Eagles. However, Foster continued as the starter throughout 2007, but Williams was always improving, putting up 717 yards and a 5-yard per carry average. Prior to the 2008 season, Foster was released and DeWill was named the starter. He did not disappoint. He finished third in the league with 1,515 yards despite splitting carries with rookie Jonathan Stewart. He also led the NFL in touchdowns with 20, 18 on the ground, and two through the air. D'Angelo and teammate Jonathan Stewart are known as Double Trouble. There could be more nicknames and more accolades to come for the leader of this duo. I consider that group of five running backs taken in the first round in that 2006 draft. Though three of them were taken ahead of him, D'Angelo Williams in his first three seasons in the league has outrushed them all. It's obvious that D'Angelo Williams has just begun to leave his mark on the history of the Carolina Panthers. This concludes another edition of Panther Profiles. Hi, this is Stephen Davis, and you listen to Cat Crave Radio. Joining us now is Sean McNally. Sean is the lead writer over at bloggingdirty.com, a site that is dedicated to our rivals, the Atlanta Falcons. Sean, thanks for having the guts to join us. Thank you for having me again. Ready? Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of talk 
during this offseason, and one of the biggest moves that, that people have talked about has been the Tony Gonzalez acquisition by the Falcons. Uh, of course, everybody's talked about Michael Turner and the season he had last year and the way that you have built the offense, Roddy White coming out of his shell and doing his thing. But I got to know, John Abraham is, he's I mean, he's no spring chicken anymore. And in this league, age can really play against you. What have the Falcons done to lend support to Abraham and to the defense as a whole and improve on the defensive side of the ball? Well, it's pretty simple. I mean, when it comes down to it, the number one thing for this team is remember who their coach is. Mike Smith built some really good defenses over the last several years in Jacksonville, and he's continued to do that. And when you look at a guy like John Abraham, you look at a guy who has had injury problems at the yin-yang for the last, I don't know how long, but uh, last year they kept on rotating him in and out of defensive schemes, kept him fresh, and he had a career season. So I think, honestly, that's what they're going to have to continue to do. They know, obviously, the game plan will and can work, and that's what they're really going to go ahead and try to build on. But then you go ahead and look at the acquisition of Mike Peterson, who's going to be huge in that uh, position that was left over and vacated by um, Bully and or uh, Brooking. And then, of course, you look at a uh, second-year guy like Curtis Lofton, you really can't go wrong. The defense is still young. The linebacking core is going to go ahead and add a lot of extra pressure to uh, help relieve some of the added strain that's going to be on that defensive line. And then, of course, you're still going to have the big question mark for the Falcons' defense, of course, is their secondary. They take all those things into consideration. I think Abraham's going to have a good year. I won't expect him to have another year like he did last year, but as long as they keep on keeping fresh, you have the best chance to go ahead and win the game. Your question for me about our Panthers. I'm licking my chops. I have to say right now, what is the deal with Jake Bellow? Can he be a guy that you can actually really rely on? Can he be that franchise quarterback that he's shown you know, certain glimpses of, of course, in being a Super Bowl quarterback? I mean, let's say he had a great year there, but then he's had you know just awful games, awful seasons, injuries. Is he really the guy? And also, let's face it, he's getting a little up there in years now. What do you guys see in terms of horizon for you know that next star? Do you guys have someone on the depth chart already, or is it someone you have to go out and draft? I've heard a lot of talk, and I've I've seen a lot of fans actually hit forums and and message boards, and they've all talked about Jake. Jake has been a big, big issue among a lot of fans. But here's the thing, and you know, a lot of people mention him, and, and, and they talk about him him now suddenly being one of the weaknesses. Honestly, I think Jake has always been a manager. He's out there to, to play well, help the team get the lead, and then let's, you know, let's grind it out from there. So, I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of emphasis on that Arizona game, and the meltdown against the Cardinals was, I mean, it was so hard to watch. But it, was, it, was, it, was, it was brutal. Yeah, it was. But then Jake has, Jake last year, he and honestly, if you look back at his career, he hasn't had a high number of multi-interception games. If he has, I mean, the team's record's not so great. But Jake is there to manage games, get the ball in the hands of his playmakers. Of course, Steve Smith. Uh, Moose is getting a little older than than he ought to be, 36 years old, so he's not young. But we're expecting guys like Dwayne Jarrett to step in and start taking some heat off of him. Jason Carter may be able to finally step up and stay healthy. So I think Jake is more of a manager than anything. And if he plays within Jake's limits, then I think Jake can take the team as, as far as the talent around him can take them. 
Okay, now I'm going to give you one shot. You got a minute. I'll let you throw a little smack talk at me, and then I'll throw a little back at you. What can we say about the Carolina Panthers aside from first off? Let's just go ahead and start with a nice, simple little thing. I don't know. Let's look at maybe the color scheme. I don't know. Nothing really screams at, you know, Carolina Panther or something like electric blue. I mean, what the hell is that? But, okay, take it from there. You know that logo? Okay, we've seen that thing for a while. I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but... I'm kind of getting tired of the whole thing. I'd like to see a, a change somewhere there. Then, of course, let's go ahead and take it to the actual team. Let's face it, there's nothing really wrong with them. They've been played well. They've had some good uh, good teams over the years. They've been to the Super Bowl. They've uh, certainly accomplished a lot, just like my Falcons. I would have to say, honestly, when it comes down to it, what the heck is wrong with you guys going ahead and getting the kind of quarterback you guys get? You guys got Dick Gillum now. You guys had Kerry Collins in the past. Ouch, just bad, bad luck. Uh, you know what? At this point, I think it's pretty much just an issue of uh, a really, really good defensive team. But you know what? When it all comes down to it, this is still a quarterback's league, and I'm going to tell you right now that you will not win with Jake DeLone. Sorry, but it's just the way I feel. Yeah, a lot of people have talked about quarterbacks. They've talked about Jake. And I think Falcons fans would would all be very honest about Michael Vick. Everybody last year fell in love with Michael Turner, everybody fell in love with Matt Ryan, and and even your coach. I mean, Coach Smith, of course, proved himself having turned the team around so quickly with a new general manager in the front office. But let's remember, this is the NFC South, and anybody can go from last to first and do it in 12 months. I honestly believe that there will be weaknesses shown in the Falcons' defense this season. And just like Michael Vick, I think the Falcons will go to the dogs. Sean, we appreciate you joining us for this and uh, for being a good sport. All right, man. Thank you again. It's always a pleasure to come on the show. Again, Sean McNally. Sean is the lead writer at blogandirty.com. Thanks, Sean. All right. Take care, man. Joining us now to continue our smack talk is Dustin Staggers. Dustin is the lead writer at thepewterplank.com, a site, unfortunately, dedicated to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dustin, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. What in the world is going on in Tampa Bay? You had a Super Bowl winning coach. You had, uh, well, I mean, you know, you had an okay situation at quarterback. But you guys have made so many changes. A new head coach, a new general manager. It seems like the team made changes for the sake of change. How's it going to turn out? What's the end result of all of these changes? In, in regards to the first point, um, it kind of, I, I don't know. To someone who doesn't live in Tampa Bay, I could see how it would seem like these changes were just for the sake of making change. Tampa Bay fans have been killing Gruden and ownership for literally since we won the Super Bowl. Uh, me, personally, I'm not one of those people. I was a very pro-Gruden person until we lost to you guys on Monday night last year. We were in the driver's seat for the one seat in the NFC. So a, a few game collapse while unacceptable shouldn't mean the entire overhaul of a team. Once Raheem Morris got named the head coach and Mark Dominic became the GM of the team, I think they felt mildly obligated to the fan base because I'm pretty sure that's the reason the change was made to make moves. Now, some of them surprised people. The work done released, especially the Derek Brooks release. As to your second point as to whether we're going to take a massive fall, I think it depends on who ends up being our starting quarterback, to be perfectly honest. Um... You know, right now our offense, with a young offensive line, Derek Ward, Ernest Graham, Kellen Winslow, Antonio Bryant, and either one of Luke McCown or Byron Leftwich, 
not even considering the fact that we're talking to Plaxico Burris, I think could make for really potent offense. Our new offensive coordinator, Jeff Jagodzinski, likes to throw the ball downfield. Leftwich and McCown both excel in that area. Bryant and Winslow both excel at catching balls down the field, and I think our offense could be a lot better than people expect. Okay, now here's your one chance to ask me a question about our Panthers. My main question um, revolves around Julius Peppers. This is the guy that has shown when he's motivated is as unstoppable as any player. Um, now, I know he's crying over $18 million and doesn't want to sign his franchise tender until recently. Do you think you're going to get a motivated Julius Peppers this year? Because he's shown that when he's not motivated, the numbers don't reflect the kind of player that he should be. I'll be honest. I like Julius when Julius and his motor are actually on. The one problem I may have, and this this could be, I'm sure this could open up some debate. The team right now wants to negotiate an extension. They want him to stay. I would like to see Julius Peppers remain with the Panthers. However, if you would let him play one season and one season only under this tender, sure, it's a it's a huge number, and you're eating up salary cap space, but it's too late now to worry about the salary cap and signing free agents. So, let him play for one year, work on the extension later, do it just like you did last year, let him remain on the field, let him remain motivated to play his butt off so that he earns that next paycheck. Let's say you sign him to six years. Now, I've watched Julius personally take plays off. We've all seen it. I really and truthfully, I mean, I don't want to see the Randy Moss of defensive ends come out there and just you know, and just lollygag around. And I think if you sign him to the extension, there is a chance that we see Julius do that. I like the guy as a player. I don't love him. I I can't honestly give you an answer. I can't say, yes, Julius will play hard, that he will be there every play, that he's going to be this major force if you sign him to the extension. I think if you let him stay under a one-year deal and one-year deal only, I mean, this guy could have, I mean, he, he could be in line for, things like, say, Defensive Player of the Year honors. So, honestly, I can't go one way or the other. I think it has to do with the extension, when it happens, and what kind of numbers we're talking about. All right, so, so much for Julius. Now, here's your chance. Dustin, I'm going to let you have 60 seconds. You've got an opportunity to say what you want to say. A little smack talk about our Carolina Panthers. Go for it. Well, I, I talked to you about this about uh, two months ago when we, when we did East for Cat Crave, but uh, there's one team that I feel the Bucks owe a huge amount of revenge to. Our season fell apart last year after playing you guys on Monday night, and after seeing the way uh, Gage and Jake DeLone played in the playoffs, I have high hopes that we can uh, we can get that revenge this year. I, I like the way our team is stacking up right now. I think people are sleeping on us a little bit, and as everybody knows, maintaining um, excellence in the NFL, in your case, um, might be hard going into this season. The Buccaneers made all of these changes I still feel like they were way too quick on the trigger I feel like the Glazer family lost their minds they had a solid coach who reminds me a lot of John Fox with an attitude I don't think you make a change in midstream you've got a team that's decent sure you can make some changes if you want Derek Brooks gone kick him to the curb Honestly, though, the Bucks, even with their talent and even with who they had and all of these changes, I see a massive, massive drop. I could be wrong. I sure could. But I'm not so sure. I mean, the Bucks, 
big rivals and everything, but I'm not sure. I hate to say this. I'm going out on a limb. Well, not too far out on a limb because I think it's true. I think the Bucks are ready for a major fall, and I don't think that that's a rivalry we really have to worry about this season. Well, again, Dustin Staggers. Dustin is the lead writer over at thepewterplank.com, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers site. Dustin, thanks for joining us. John, as always, appreciate it. Help us make this the best Panther show on the planet. Send us your feedback to catcraveradio at gmail.com. That's catcraveradio at gmail.com. We'll have more CCR in a moment. The Fansided.com Sports Network. You play to win the game. Where diehard fans dish out nonstop news and views on their favorite teams. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Fandom has no offseason. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. Neither do we. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown them. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Fansided.com. The number one pro sports blog network on the internet. If you love the Carolina Panthers, you're in the right place. Welcome back to Cat Crave Radio. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. You know, fantasy football will be kicking off soon. So, are you in it to win it this season? If so, stop in at FantasyCPR.com. They will update you on the latest player news and give you the tools needed to dominate your league. Play to win. Visit FantasyCPR.com. With a major story breaking last week when Julius Peppers came to his senses and signed his franchise tender, I couldn't help myself. For that matter, neither could the media. Just a matter of days before Pep signed the deal, ESPN got this report from their Inside the Huddle reporter, John Clayton. Well, no progress, and the likelihood is is that he probably is going to hold out sometime in the training camp, but also the team does not expect him to miss a million dollars a game by holding out into the regular season. So what the plan is is to take Everett Brown, who they traded a first-round pick for, put him over at the right end, and buy some time for Julius to get in camp or get there to the regular season, get in shape. So they're anticipating the Peppers, because there's no place for Peppers to go, and there's so much money involved, they know he's not going to pass up on that. So they just sit by and wait for Peppers to try to come back and at least sometime join the team. I admit that it's possible that Clayton or any reporter could have missed that one. The problem is that he's working for the <clears throat> worldwide leader. Plus, keep in mind that he had just been to the Panthers minicamp. He was there. No progress at the time may have led to some speculation, sure. Was Clayton just guessing? Wow. We have a great established media out there reporting to us, don't we? If he's just guessing, then I'm not so sure that qualifies him as an insider, does it? So what happens the day that Julius signs that high-dollar contract? You talk about one-year tenders. Julius Pepper signed his one-year franchise tender of $16.6 million on Wednesday. What about his long-term future in Carolina? Well, you talk about a major change, Kevin, but over the last week, all of a sudden, Peppers decided he's going to come to camp, and now he wants to sign a long-term deal. And this is after asking for a trade, hoping the team wasn't going to tender him, and even considering going to a team that plays a 3-4 defense so he can play linebacker. Now he does want and is interested in getting that long-term security. So that means probably no vacation time for anybody in the Panthers' front office because they want that long-term security. They like the extra cap room. And so over the next 17 days, 
days, they're going to try to see if they can get a long-term deal to keep Peppers with the team as long as possible. Clayton says there was a major change. Yeah, there sure was. There was also a major change in your report. I understand that you're getting little, if any, information from the team, and likely you're getting absolutely nothing out of Peppers or his agent Carl Carey. Lord knows I've tried, and I can't get anything either. But you work for the Disney Channel. Sorry, ESPN. You should be able to land the biggest interviews and get the most information. And there are those out there who complain about the blogosphere and about how they belittle the media. Still, to give us an idea of how big the story was, yes, a story concerning the Carolina Panthers was a big deal, believe it or not, we get this next clip. Alex Marvez of FoxSports.com got word of the signing and called in his report. The NFL's silliest contract holdout has ended. Julius Peppers has finally signed his franchise tender. That means he has agreed to play the 2009 season for the bargain basement price of $16.7 million. Peppers had refused to sign the deal because he was hoping for even more money through a contract extension. Please. Peppers should be thrilled that he is about to receive the largest one-season salary ever paid to a franchise player. Peppers can earn even more cash, another $1.5 million through incentives. Look, I understand that Peppers wants the professional security that comes with a long-term deal, not to mention what would be upwards of $30 million in guaranteed cash. But Peppers should have known that such a deal wasn't immediately forthcoming from Panthers management. By not signing until Wednesday, Peppers missed the team's entire off-season workout program. That doesn't make him or Carolina any better entering the 2009 season. Moving forward, Peppers may still land the big money deal he's seeking from the Panthers. But regardless of what happens in negotiations, Peppers needs to play at a high level again in 2009 if Carolina is to defend its NFC South title. It's hard to imagine a story coming out of Charlotte big enough that the biggest and baddest reporters out there had to cover it. Should we be thanking Julius for that? I want to thank Dustin Staggers of the pewterplank.com as well as Sean McNally of bloggingdirty.com for being with us to take part in the Smack Talk segment. For the record, I contacted not one, but two Saints bloggers, and I asked them to join in. Neither could make it. Let's hope their team doesn't run as scared as the guys covering them. Each week I've been mentioning technical issues, and each week they continue, but that's the reason that we haven't heard from Nick Yeoman for quite a while. Until we can get our issues ironed out, be sure to check out his contributions over at YouTube.com. He can be found on the video site by looking up Big Nick 2700 And don't forget to stop in at our home on the web at CatCrave.com. I'm John White. Thank you for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material, copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers. In our grand old day, nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game.